Welcome to Screen Tones, where we talk anything and everything webcomics. Today, we're going to be talking about the weird and wonderful process of bringing your comic off the internet and into print. I'm Crispy, my pronouns are she, they, and I make the webcomics Ghost Junk Sickness and Lunar Blight. I'm Claire, also known as Clam, my pronouns are she, her, I make the webcomic Phantom Marine. And I'm Delphina, I use she, her pronouns, and I make the webcomic Zombulus. And I'm Varathane, I use she-they pronouns, and I make the webcomics Chiralt and Witchwood. Okie dokes. So you're drawing your webcomic, and you're publishing online pretty regularly, and eventually it crosses your mind to make a printed version. Maybe your readers are asking, maybe you're going to a comic convention, or maybe it's just always been a dream to hold your comic in your hands. What does that process look like to get to that point, and what should you do, or avoid, along the way to make it work as smoothly as possible. We're going to be talking about that today with our crimes, with our successes, and uh, it's it's going to be fun. So I'm going to ask some questions about this. Uh, I'm going to go right over to you, Claire. What was printing your first book look like? And like, how did you fund it? How did it turn out if we're at that point? Like, tell me all about it. We are not at that point yet. So at the point we're recording this, I have literally just hit the button on one order of books and another order of books is in the mail. Uh, It's the first one that I've ever put together of Phantom Marine, just the first volume, the first four chapters, because I got accepted into uh, Emerald City Comic Con kind of unexpectedly. And I was like, oh, no, I have to probably put a book (laughs) together. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to be kind of the newbie of this group where I I've only dipped my toes in I've done the whole formatting thing I've learned how not to do that in the future but in terms of actual like printing and seeing the results I I cannot say that I've had that yet I've printed a lot of like little booklets little saddle bound ones that are stapled on the side so I have experience matching colors and a little bit of experience knowing what papers and finishes are best for my kind of comic. But in terms of an actual book, check with me next week. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I thought we were going to be recording this later. And then it's like, do you want to record now? I'm like, well, if we're talking about theoretical books, then yes, absolutely. (laughs) But um, so I I've, yeah, in terms of funding it out of my own pocket, I got no time for a Kickstarter or anything like that. So I am just going in (laughs) two feet first into a cold pool. And (laughs) I'm here to learn things as much as you all are. So welcome to my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my nightmare. Now, you said that you had experience printing booklets of your, like, couple chapters or three chapters i think it was yes. uh a phantom marine and the one really exciting thing about all of your guys's comics here uh well thane has some cool experiences working in black and white and color um but you have a lot of color matching to do because you have such strong and vibrant colors like how was that process when you were doing the booklets um it's more of a process of i guess giving up some control um Mm -hmm. I know for anybody in pre-press that probably sounds terrible but for me like I I a lot of these times I haven't had time to go get a proof or anything like that it's it's often been on very short notice and usually I've I've had good experience using the CMYK preview on Photoshop or Clip Studio Um, those have actually worked out pretty well for me Um, there are a couple of colors here and there that just never look particularly good mm-hmm. but I I end up not really minding it so much it actually when I look at the booklets that came out from several years ago like I'm so used to that bright glowing cyan that I use everywhere in this dang comic 
but it's fine on paper to the point where now I actually, I look at the printed paper and then I go back to my comic and I feel like my eyes are bleeding a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've started, I took a big break where I wasn't working on any pages so I could work on this book. And now I'm looking at the spread of my archive and I'm like, dear God, it's radioactive. I need to leave. <laughs> so it's, it's really like, it's going to be weird at first, especially if you're dealing with crazy color changes or mm-hmm. stuff where it's like, it works online. Great. But on paper, yeah, lots of things are going to be dulled or maybe even some things might actually look even more vibrant. Sometimes it can be weird. Yeah. I would say, yeah, don't don't sweat it too much. Like you can only fight with it to a point. Um, but if you if you mess with the saturation a little bit and mess with, I guess the hues just just a touch, maybe it can make a difference. But if you've got it all over your work, don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Uh, that's all I would say, especially for like a beginner situation. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that I, I think about is the fact that like we're we're printing these web comics, so there is a different version of it published online. So, you know, there still is that treat uh when you kind of go back to what it looks like online versus it in print. Um, because I always think about the experiences of the readers and how they're going to like enjoy your work, right? It's still two different mediums. So not having it exact uh, one-to-one, I think is kind of key here too. And this is not me being like, sacrifice all the colors and blah, blah, blah. I know that it means more to some people than it does others. But I'm going to talk about my experience a little bit later after I've uh, talked to Delphi and Thane about theirs. But currently we're reprinting Ghost Junk into um, its full series. And the printer that we're going with now doesn't do color page inserts. And in our original run, we did have the first X amount of pages in color like they are on the website. And unfortunately, we can't replicate that just because, again, it's the printer that we're going for. But um, I, I at first was pretty like, oh, I'm a little bit bummed out about that. But I look back to it now and I'm just like, I think it's a treat that it exists on the website version as opposed to being in print. I don't think it has to be a one to one thing. And I think that's key right here is that there's still going to be a difference because it's not the same medium. So to that, I did want to ask Delphi, like, you know, how was printing your first book look like and, and whatnot? And how'd you fund it? Well, it's interesting you talk about like the the black and white versus the color stuff, because I specifically went into printing Zombulus book one as I wanted to keep it all black and white. And the, the story is a world hopping adventure. Every time they go to a different world, the art style will change. And so the very first world that I did was in this like screen toned black and white style. And that was very intentional because I wanted book one to always be cheaper to print than (laughs) anything else because that it makes sense right people are gonna buy the first book and see if they like it and the more books that you put out the fewer you're gonna sell so I always wanted to make that less expensive to print and that did work out for me for a little bit but silly me I decided well what okay it's gonna be black and white but what if there's this like cool magic effect in them (laughs) towards the end where it goes to color and that's gonna look really cool and it's like yeah that's gonna look really cool in book two we're pushing that to book two (laughs) so the split is a little weird there's a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of book one and that's why because I wanted to keep it all in black and white but I got that printed back in 2014, I want to say. I did run a Kickstarter for, I've, I've done Kickstarters for all three of my books at this point. And so that was my first one. Um, I went with Print Ninja, which was a lot cheaper back in 2013. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of other kinds of printers out there. Uh, I think Print Ninja kind of brokers with some overseas printers in China. Um, so they can get a little better deals, but you kind of have to deal with that timeline and shipping and stuff. So thankfully, Kickstarter audiences are pretty understanding as long as you keep them in the loop about how things are going. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any immediate needs for the books convention-wise yet, but I knew as soon as I had books, I wanted to start applying for conventions. So I got my initial run of 500 books that was funded through my Kickstarter. Yeah, it it went pretty well. Um, I was really happy with the quality. 
I had experience from my day job as a graphic designer with working with printers and, and kind of speaking the language of printers. So it was a pretty smooth process. The only thing that kind of hung me up a little bit was all the edits that I wanted to do mm. before I printed. So it took a little bit more time to kind of like edit the story and, and stuff like that. A lot of people aren't doing that, but eh, yeah. And sometimes I do sort of regret not having a little splash of color or a little bit more intrigue in the first book because I think when you're at conventions and stuff, sometimes that that catches people's eye a little more. Mm -hmm. But eh, it is what it is. It is very inexpensive to get reprinted, which I, I did have to do when I did my third Kickstarter. So yeah, I've got two different print runs of um, Sombulous Book One now, and they're fine. I think it turned out pretty smoothly. I love that. I am absolutely over the moon that you got the 500 copies plus and another run. Like, that's literally goals. I love that. And, like, your book is a gorgeous size, too. I really do enjoy that for Sombulous. And I think that's just really important with that kind of format with, like, what sizes kind of fit like your webcomic with how you're printing it and how it's presented. So something to keep in mind um, when you're kind of going through that process of printing too. And and I don't know, I think that was really genius to kind of do something that was like easier to reprint with the black and white. Like I, I applaud that. Yeah. I think when you're also talking about like the chapter books that are um, saddle stitched with the staples on the side that are a little smaller, that's a similar concept. You're just having, fewer pages and and you know it's it's just always easy to give somebody a little taste or a little sample without it breaking your personal bank so that's a good route to go too yeah and it's just a good way to get people intrigued it's just why we go to conventions and sell that stuff in the first place for sure Um, i'm gonna hop right over to you thane and i'm gonna ask you the same question about your printing experience and all about your first book the Trials and Tribulations. Ah, the Trials of Volume 1 of Tribult. <laughs> go back in time. It was the wonderful year of 2015. The Canadian <laughs> dollar and the US dollar were at par with one another. Oh my gosh. Everybody was talking about this crazy printer called Print Ninja that everybody was using. They're so cheap. They're so great. They're American. But that's cool because the dollar is even at the moment. So (laughs) I actually did use Print Ninja as well for my first volume. And uh, that process uh, went quite well. I I had never printed anything before. So I contacted a whole bunch of printers and uh, I got quotes from all of them for all kinds of different numbers of copies. Because I was like, I do not know how many (laughs) I need of these. And I had a plan to do a Kickstarter, but I had no idea what kind of readership I had or anything because I didn't even have comments on my website at that point. So I think I asked for quotes for uh, 30 copies and then 50 copies and then 100 and then 250 and then 500 copies. And uh, 250 is kind of the tipping point where you go from a digital print run if you're printing less than that to an offset print run, if you're printing Mm -hmm. more than that. And I was like, well, if my Kickstarter is tiny, then I'll order 30 copies. And if it's big, then I'll order 500 copies. And I ended up being happily surprised. So that, that part worked out. Um, But that was sort of the uh, flying by the seat of my pants (laughs) process of getting that first order uh, in. I feel like when it came to handling the colors, and the sizes. I had a couple of things that could have been advantages if I was more organized. Because my comic was all monochromatic, it was very easy to nail the color range because everything was kind of sepia or gray. And there's only so far that's going to change. Like, oh no, the brown, it's a little, it's 2% more saturated in print. It's like, well, nobody's going to notice. Yeah. (laughs) So... On on that side, it was really good. I probably could have printed in black and white and gotten away with it, but that was actually one of the things that was a stretch goal in my campaign was that I would print in color so that I could preserve the like little hints of marker tonality that were introduced by the different brands that I was using. So I did end up printing in color and lost that pricing advantage, which 
is something that I have to think about now as I I'm heading to the point where I need to do a third reprint and I feel like I should do it in black and white but that's going to require extra work I won't be able to go back to the same printer and just be like I want to reprint and get the reprint discount because some places will do that they'll give you a discount if you reprint the same product again oh um, although because of this whole the supply chain has gone crazy after 2020 chances are good that that still won't be like printing in black and white is still probably going to be cheaper than that uh but i have to I have to work on it and figure that out i've got some decisions in my near future um the other thing though that was good for me is that because i was working traditionally uh, in a sketchbook and every page was in a, a page in the same sketchbook that was the same size I was automatically all of my pages were guaranteed <laughs> to be print resolution <laughs> like if I scanned something at the wrong resolution and then found out later I could rescan it but at least I didn't have to like do over the art yes. for that reason I did do over a lot of art but for different reasons <laughs> So some good sides, some downsides. There, There's a few other shenanigans that I got into with preparing my art for it, but I'll go into that later, I think. <laughs> it's it's always the pre-press hell when you hear about people starting to print their books and stuff like that. Because I think at that point, when you start to compile your stuff all together and you're looking at it in book format, it's really exciting, first of all. But then you start to be like, huh, uh, the bleed oh the 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 bubbles are kind of smaller there oh the, the the lettering oh gosh and you start to pick up all these things that you really do have to kind of pay attention to when you're printing in book format so one of the cool things about that obviously is your ability to turn the page go to the speed that you like you don't have to wait for the click for the page to load and and stuff like that so um when you're turning pages in a comic you know those things are a little bit more noticeable as a more so than clicking on the website and stuff like that so <laughs> as someone who has recently went through that with space um, reformatting ghost junk sickness um, we had to add some bleed lines to a lot of pages and <laughs> do a lot of editing with uh, text size and stuff like that because ghost junk sickness i think has four different versions our first book actually was a volume zero and it included the first 32 pages and at the back actually had some concept art. And that was made from the site Blurb, which I do enjoy making like gift books from there because it's nice for like compiling stuff or photo albums or like concept art or whatever that you can do as like a gift and stuff. I've never done a full print run. I don't even know if that's a thing. But regardless, we got our first book printed from Blurb and we had actually to do we had to do it for a, our art show for our final in college and I always felt it was something that was super rushed so down the line we <laughs> I'm gonna talk about my crimes at one point maybe we should have yeah the crime section but we decided to redo those pages you know in the later kind of editions and whatnot so there's a lot of growth uh in the different versions of ghost junk that we have obviously volume zero is something that's not public and then we had our next one that was done from Lulu. And uh, I'm going to leave the crimes until the next question before I go into that. So, you know, pausing on that. That's ominous. Yeah. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> Delphi, you're going to scream at me. But the next question I'm going to ask <laughs> is how did you go about formatting your book and finding a printer for it? So I'm going to ask you that, Claire. Like, uh, formatting this book, like, how was the journey for that? Uh, <laughs> um, I I think I think the the number one thing to remind yourself, no matter who you are or what you've worked on, like if if you're printing the first chunk of whatever web comic you've made, that's probably going to be enough of a chunk where you can clearly see how much your process has changed mm -hmm. or how much your style has changed over those first few chapters. So like, at the very least. Prepare for an arduous uphill battle of trying to balance things. I know that, yeah, as things go forward in my comic, like I, I can clearly see where I kind of hit a rhythm in terms of like, this is the lettering I want. This is the size of the bubbles I want. 
these are the kind of margins that I have or not. So it's, it's really, it was the biggest thing for me was, I guess, looking at how everything balanced over those first few chapters. Because if it's the first volume, you're going to see that growth. You're going to want to honor it, but yes. you're also going to want to <laughs> make it palatable. Yes. So for me, I think the biggest struggle was finding ways to not necessarily highlight the bad stuff, but like, I, I wondered, like, am I going to go back and redraw anything or reletter anything? And I just said, I'm going to do just what I need to do to make it coherent and cohesive. And that's it. Like, mm -hmm. because the actual act of putting a book together, because yeah, you, you end up starting to deal with bleeds and with margins and all that stuff. And for me, like, the margins that I decided to print at are larger than what I use for the website. So I had to, I actually got help from um, the pre-press person at Hiveworks named Katie, who saved my butt so much. <laughs> she helped so, so much with, um, yeah, drawing in some bits in the margins and everything. And I did a little bit myself and I did a whole pass on the lettering, but essentially you you cannot sweat the small stuff. It It does add up in the end if there are enough of them, but you really do just have to look at what you've already created and find a way to, I guess, present it in a way that you're proud of without being like, I'm going to redraw it in the way that I would have now versus five years ago. I also struggled finding a printer because I, I looked at a couple places and I originally had Print Ninja. Um, I had a sample pack from them from several years ago when I first started this process, but I ended up going with uh, Mixam instead because um, I, I wanted to be able to get something printed very quickly. And I also wanted to be extra and get some gloss UV stamping on the front cover because of course, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm suffering this much, I might as well just be like, you know, let's, let's, let's add a little extra thing, but it was, it's been painless so far in terms of actually working with the printer. All the pain was on my end. So really just, yeah, the, the major formatting struggle that I had was, finding a way to bring it all together in a way that didn't make it look like it had been made over seven or eight years, which is very mm -hmm. much the case. Mm -hmm, definitely. I mean, like, like we talk in our uh, episode with webcomic time, there's just always going to be that growth, right? Because it's just mm -hmm. such a, a long winded process and things are just bound to change. You're going to have a difference with the art and growth and stuff like that. And honestly, I find it in other comics too. I love those like, comparison things that they do of like manga when it's like oh this character looked like this in the beginning and now in I don't know volume 85 like they look like this <laughs> I love that I love that with Bleach looking yeah. at the first few chapters of Bleach like you can tell who everybody is but it's clear that the style has not quite settled into place but it's mm -hmm. just like I wouldn't want him to go back and redraw that. That's part of the appeal. Like, yes, it maybe if your comic started on lined paper when you were in school, that's a different thing. But even then, like, it started on lined paper. Honor it. Make it part of the experience. Being like, look at how far it came. It, mm -hmm. And people, if people are reading it online and buying it in book form, it's part of the experience for them too. So don't shy away from it. Yeah. And I think about like the fact that we do have this kind of control as indie creators to actually produce something that grows like that. And uh, I think we had this discussion a little bit before uh, Claire and you had said that if you went into a bookstore and you saw like a comic that had this lined paper and then it went to something really polished, you'd be like, damn, that's actually a really fun quirk. Like, exactly. Yeah. Maybe some people would have a problem with it, but I maybe it's just because I understand yeah. <laughs> like the history of that sort of thing and just being like, no, 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 this this is here for a reason. I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, that if you're starting out a web comic and you're drawing at like web resolution, like 72 DPI or something like that, that's a case where I, I would probably work on like reformatting it or rescanning it or what have you so that it's 300 yeah. dpi that yeah that's an exception yeah mm -hmm. i mean it is nice but you don't want it to look like a mistake you don't want your letters to be fuzzy and stuff like that and a lot of people do start with 72 um dpi resolution because that's 
you know, what their art program defaulted to. So that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's uh, unfortunately it's going to look bad in a way that you don't want. Yeah. Like essentially it's, it's taking something to kind of blow it up. Right. And when you're doing something at 72, Oh, Nelly. Um, speaking of which, uh, I'm going to jump over to you, Delphi, and actually ask you about the trials and tribulations of formatting uh, Sombulus. Yeah, so draw at <laughs> the 300 DPI. <laughs> I, I, I have always drawn at 300 DPI, but there was actually the point at which I switched from drawing in Photoshop to drawing in Clip Studio. Mm-hmm. I mistook some lines on the canvas and I thought that they were accounting for bleed when they were not so basically (gasps) most of the pages that I drew in book three like the first hundred pages or something like that were all originally an inch too small on all sides oh no yeah it was just enough where I couldn't like scale it up without it looking bad so that's why book three took so much longer because I had to redraw and repanel a lot of different things and it was sadness time. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, knowing what size of book that you're aiming for is going to help a lot in that context. Yes. I know there's a lot of printers that have online widgets where you can select, um, you know, a page size, a standard graphic novel size or like a smaller manga size or or there's a lot of different things I don't know that there's any like super standard ones and every printer that I talk to will if you get on an email chain or on the phone with them they'll cut your book to whatever size you want to as long as you're willing to pay for it so Mm -hmm. like don't be afraid of of kind of asking for a custom size. It's it's not as bad or as expensive as, as you necessarily think. But um, yeah, it, it's always possible. Mm-hmm. It used to be more expensive to get custom sizes way back in the day. You used to have to pay extra for that. Like each printer would have a roster of like standard sizes and you would get a reasonable deal if you used one of those. And then yes. going for a custom size, they'll tack on a few extra hundred bucks. Uh, but that has changed completely. I, ha- I don't think I've seen any printer charging extra for it. Like, I'm sure there's exceptions, but most most of them don't these days. I actually, yeah, I got a custom size printed just now uh, for this batch of books. And the price was completely the same for yep. either just a standard size or the custom size. Yeah, they mm-hmm. got to trim it down any anyway. So like, it's fine. Just if you have something and you're you're really stressing out about not having your pages fit that size, there's a way to work with that. And in general, I that's kind of my advice for printers anyway. Like get to know your printer's like sales representative. Yes. Get to know their name. Get on an email chain with them. Any kind of questions you have, even if you feel stupid, they are there to like help you through the process 100%. And if they're not, <laughs> you shouldn't be using them. Mm-hmm. So don't feel shy about not knowing what to do or, or, you know, asking questions about, hey, what, what is the, I don't understand the different types of binding. Can you explain it to me? Do you have any recommendations? A lot of times printers will be able to match like something if you send them a sample of a book that you've done before or a book that you like and say, I, I want this. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what like stock of paper this is, but they will. They'll be able to touch it and say, oh, yes, this is 100 pounds of stock or blah, 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 blah. So it's great. Printers are great. I always love working with them. I, um, Like I said, I worked with Print Ninja, and they printed my first two volumes of Sombulus. When I was ready for my third book, um, like I said, it took a while. So Print Ninja's prices had gone up by then, and I was seeking out other quotes from other printers. I had a little list. Um, There's a great list on our webcomic resources blog um, that Thane compiled of various printers that do comic books and and have a reasonably good reputation around um, the comic circles. So definitely check that out. And I reached out to a couple of them. Um, I just had, you know, this, this little email that was like, hi, I'm, I'm looking to get some quotes for a upcoming printing project for a comic. These are the specs. 
here's the size, here's the number of inner pages, do I need bleed or not, what kind of binding do I want. If you're looking for like a soft cover book that's perfect binding, if you're looking to do a hardcover book that's sometimes called case binding, um, and if you're looking to do like a stapled along the side kind of book that's called saddle stitch. So knowing whichever ones of those, they'll, they'll be asking you about that the weight and type of paper that you want inside if you want gloss or matte same with the cover and again you might want to say it's cmyk printing if you're looking to do color and black and white if you're not sometimes there's a price difference and then the quantity and you can ask for a couple different quantities like Thane had said like you can you can ask for like 30 or 250 or 500 or or something like that it used to be the case where you really couldn't find a book printer that would do fewer than 250 in a run but that is not the case anymore there's a lot of smaller printers out there who are are very competitive for small runs so that's awesome and yeah, then say, if you need any other info from me, just let me know and they'll let you know. And so through that process, I ended up with Greco printing for my third book. They, <laughs> they used a different color profile than other things that I'd done. So the first proof that I got from them was super saturated and oh, I had man. no idea why I was like crying. I'm like, what happened to no. my comic? It's so <laughs> bright. And I turned, it turned out it was like grackle color profile or wh whatever. And once I got that profile on my pages, then I, I saved them all out again and it was fine. But yeah, order proofs um, <laughs> can save your bacon. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's uh, another printer that I've worked with is um, Kness. They do all of our Spider Forest anthology books. He's a real nice guy. He's, he's very personable, throws in lots of freebies for us sometimes. Big shout out to Ken over there. Yeah, just like get to know some printers. I think it's always good, even if you really love like one printer knowing more than one and like just keep getting quotes from multiple people yeah. because that can really you know it keeps it competitive sometimes things will change a lot between one printer and another over the years so it's always good to stay on top of that sometimes it can be scary like sending cold emails out to places like this but there's a lot of printers who have like a on website little forms that you can play with like a, a quote calculator where you can just enter like okay how many copies do you want how many pages do you want it to be like well, how big do you want this to be color no color you just toggle all these things on like a little web page and at the bottom of it it'll show you how much it's going to be and that takes a lot of the the like stress and guesswork out of figuring out what the ballpark is and if you want anything really special like spot gloss on the cover that sort of thing you will still have to get in touch with them because as soon as you start getting into more complex printing elements like you just can't get away from talking to a human mm -hmm. but it's nice if you haven't printed before having these tools on some websites like mixem has a really elaborate uh, calculator that you can fill everything out in and it'll show you like you can change numbers around like oh how much would it be if i print 50 copies 60 copies 20 copies a thousand copies and it'll update all the numbers live as you do it so you can kind of see how each little change will impact like the actual cost of what you're looking into getting made mm -hmm. and uh it's it's a it's a handy tool to play around with um but definitely good to do it with multiple printers so that you get a sense for kind of what the common numbers are and you have a general idea of okay if I want to print 60 copies of a book that is six by nine inches and it's 150 pages long and it's in full color here's roughly how much money I'm going to be spending yeah. between this and this number okay so I'm going to flip it around <laughs> I'm going to say that I don't like those for if you don't know what you're doing, especially if you don't know what you're doing, because you could choose the wrong paper stock, you could choose the wrong size, you don't know what you're looking for yet. Um, I, I like them as a general ballpark sort of thing. And if you know exactly what paper types you want and what's going to work for you, absolutely. But if you're just avoiding it because you don't like phone calls or cold emailing, I 
I strongly encourage you to try to to get over that just a little bit. Um, so and you like reach out to printers that don't necessarily have those little online widgets because I think that can give you a very false sense of security. It could make you feel like you're going to get one thing and then you get a different thing. And uh, it, it could be a lot of stress. It could be a lot of stress and you might think you're doing something wrong that would have taken an actual human who knows the printing process five minutes to fix. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I encourage is what Delphi's talking about is always reaching out to your printer uh, with the many versions of Ghost Junk that we've done. Um, that was just one of the things that we always did was that Mixum also has with their kind of calculator an option to save your quote, which I very much recommend you do. You email the quote because it in these times prices do fluctuate. So if you do get yourself a really, really good quote and then you don't save it and you run back there and I'm literally going through the thing right now, but I did not save my quote and you run back there and you find out that it's $400 more. That's going to be real sad. <laughs> and um, well, when you do save the quote, they can kind of honor that. And also it's going to help uh, that kind of ease when you want to start an email chain because I'm, I'm always for that. I always have questions about printing. Even if I've done multiple kind of versions and trying to match stuff, I think it's just always good. They're there to help. This is their job. And when you know that you have the support, uh, you know that you have people kind of looking at your work and making sure that the printing process is up to par with what the, 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 the site or the company or whatever says, uh, that's reassuring because there is nothing more well scary than spending thousands of dollars to realize that your book is like the spine is all messed up or there's a big old white bar or whatever and it's definitely happened to me i've i've definitely run into those problems and unfortunately didn't get that help that i wanted because i wasn't as active or or whatever proactive with um contacting them so definitely get that relationship if you can with your printer before you kind of hit that confirm and pay button. I did want to ask though, Thane, uh, now that we're on this topic still of scary formatting, how is your experience? Um, My experience has varied because I've printed a whole bunch of books and each one kind of had its own different sets of challenges and things that I was thinking about. Uh, so with volume one, I talked about that experience in the first question. By the time I got to volume two, uh, certain things had changed. For one thing, the Canadian dollar was no longer at par. So I started looking very hard for a domestic printer that I, so that I, A, wouldn't have to deal with currency conversions adding 30% of the cost and also wouldn't have to worry about customs fees and long shipping times. And I ended up going with Marquis, who's a Montreal-based printer, and their representative was great. I actually met with the representative in person who brought like books and paper stock and stuff that I could look at and touch and kind of had examples of like, oh, here's a textbook that we, that we printed with the type of paper that you're thinking about going with. Initially, my priority was I was like, I want to try to match the first book, the first printing as closely as possible. Mm-hmm. It ended up they, they don't match quite like they're the same size they both have the same trim size which is six by eight inches it was a custom size but the paper on the inside especially it's a little more matte in the marquee printing and it's more white whereas the print ninja ones the paper has a little bit of a yellowish tinge and it's thinner in the first printing and it's like got this slightly glossy sheen to it sort of a semi-gloss it's hard to describe i actually like the second printing a lot. Um, I was really happy with how it came out. So, which is lucky for me because I, I stuck with the same printer for volumes three, four, and five. Each book got longer as I was working on it. Um, actually, one of the biggest things that uh, gave me a lot of stress as I was figuring out where to divide things for the five books in the series was just finding the best scenes at which I could cut the story at because I had not structured my story in a way that kind of lent itself to easily defining start and end points for volumes or for chapters even. So I had to sit down with like a spread of all of my stories and be like, okay, this scene starts here and ends here. This scene starts here and ends here. If I cut here, then this book is going to be this long. I really don't want to cut between this page and this page. And right before volume three, 
I had a big old big elaborate uh figuring things out with spreadsheets and stuff because volume three contains a fight scene that is over 150 pages long (laughs) and if I cut the book before that it would be super short it would be shorter than volume two and if I cut it after it it would be like double the length of all the others and I ended up keeping it in there so my volume three is the longest book it's 336 (gasps) whopping pages wow um it's a it's a beast it's it's longer than volumes four and five but only by a little the nice thing about doing it that way is that volumes four and five are actually identical in length so it was very easy (laughs) to sort out that printing because I'm just like two books different contents of the pages but same size, same page count, everything else identical. I could use all the exact same shipping calculations and weight calculations. Uh, so that that part definitely helped. But it was, uh, it was a lot of stress during the volume three planning process. Um, that was also the book where I had done the most transitions in my mm-hmm. working style. When I printed volume one, I was working on the pages towards the end of what was then volume three. And I'm glad I waited that long to work because my working process had changed and the way I approached the pages had changed by that point, uh, which is one reason why I recommend that people get a ways further into their story. Like, hopefully you should be almost done volume two before you start thinking about volume one, just to give your like workflow a chance to settle down. Because one of the things that I found happened almost accidentally was that... Uh, Okay, so I was working in the sketchbook that was an 8 by 11, like a letter-sized sketchbook. And when I started on volume one, I had been measuring out comic books on my shelf to be like, what's a comic book size? How big are comic book pages? How big do I make these? And I, I marked out part, a corner of the page, like about an inch on the side, where I was like, okay, they're a bit narrower than my sketchbook pages. So I'm going to leave big margins on the sides of the page as I'm drawing them. And I stuck to that for like 200 pages. I was drawing these narrow pages where I'd mark out a little band on the side. And then at some point I started forgetting to do that. <gasps> and my pages just got wider incrementally, just a little a little wider every time because I was eyeballing them based on the page before oh it gosh. in the book. Um, this is one of those things that's like a mistake. Like do try <laughs> to keep track of this. <laughs> Draw your pages at at least the same aspect ratio. <laughs> so that you you won't have to struggle with this later on but uh by the time I got to volume three my pages as I was drawing them were basically the full width of my sketchbook and so I had to decide before I printed volume one if I print the books at the width of the volume one pages with like the same size margins all the way around then by the time I get to volume three I'm gonna have big margins at the top and bottom So I had to decide whether I wanted volume one pages to have big white margins on the sides of the page, or if I wanted all the future pages to have big top and bottoms or put in a border or something. And I ended up deciding to just go with a custom size that fit the volume three and on pages, like the wider ratio, which at the time, because some printers were still charging extra for custom sizes, that was a little more stressful than it would be mm-hmm. if I was making the same call now. Um, but yeah, I had to I had to decide on that. I had to decide on where I was going to cut all of my scenes apart. That was also volume three was where I realized that. Well, okay, <laughs> the pr- volume three pages because I was working on them as I was printing volume one. That was when I finally started saving my layered files with my text on its own layer. I wasn't doing that before. I was just flattening everything. And then I would only save the flattened files. So when I went in to edit, I had to open all these JPEGs and erase out the text and then retype (laughs) all the text. And then I would save the files with the retyped text. Because now I'll be able to edit those later. I need those. I understood finally that I needed those. And I would keep them on their own. And volume three was where I finally caught up to that file saving process. Uh, So the middle of that book is where there's a ton of inconsistencies and then it smooths out and volumes four and five were much, much easier. Uh Mostly Uh because of the experience that I had on the previous books. 
what it is it with like volume three where you learn the lesson the same thing happened to us <laughs> like we hit volume three and we're like oh man we need like bigger bleeds guys <laughs> like, oops. i was drawing like right to the edge and we were printing right to the edge so like you know you get like some of the the, the panels get you know kind of trimsied there and uh it's a little it's a little hot patat um i will quickly say my crimes uh in the formatting uh kind of moment because i think this is very crime worthy uh, like I said, we have very different versions, many different versions of Ghost Junk. Uh, the first time I said we used it on Blurb. So they actually had a wizard where you would upload all your pages and they would do the layouts for you. I was like, oh my god, this is so easy. Like, woohoo! Um, and then that was okay for like 30 pages or I guess like the total count I think was about 40 pages. Um, but anyway, we wanted to obviously print the first book. So our first like quote unquote official run of Ghost Junk was done on Lulu. It was a much bigger size than we do now. Um, our sizes now kind of reflect what we've always wanted with the, the manga size. And uh, <laughs> so what we used to do was uh, before I say this, I encourage everyone that if you're going to be printing your book, get a program that is for formatting PDFs and, and books and whatnot and helps with like layouts. And don't do what we did because we used Microsoft Word and what we used to do <laughs> is we'd lay out the whole thing in Microsoft Word because that was the only program that we knew could make PDFs that we could like afford at the time. And so we did page by page by page but of course, I mean, Microsoft Word is only a Word document. It's not supposed to hold images. So sometimes the images would just fly. They'd just absolutely take off and, and leave. And then you'd have to get them back. What What do you mean by fly? Like they would just, you'd click something and then it would reformat. And then one of the pages would just be gone. Crispy. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> so because it's Microsoft Word, it's not meant to be that size, too, because book one is 220 some pages. And of course, we had to put like a little extra with like chapter uh, covers and stuff like that. So <laughs> we had to format it in two separate files of Microsoft Word. So it was two separate files for one book. And then we had to get this downloader that would like merge the PDFs so that it would be one. And then it would crash and, and stuff like that. Uh, Microsoft Word constantly crashed as we were doing that. Uh, anyway, it was a hot mess. Hot, absolute train wreck mess. We actually did three books uh, like that. Three books! <laughs> three books! Shame. <laughs> this is one him. crime. This is a, this is a whole mafia. Like, this is a, oh my god. It's at least three crimes. <laughs> We did three books like this, and I mean, they got printed. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked and amazed. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was really stressful. And I think that as being one of our first kind of experiences with doing like a long form printing. So like printing more than 50 pages for Perfect Bound. Uh, it gave me the willies thinking about printing because I was like, wow, it was always so scary. Space handled it like a champ. Like she was very much in charge of the layout. She still is now. Um, she has that. And I'm just there to be like, doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, I'm there to look it over and kind of help. But she definitely champions that side of things. So she took a lot of the brunt <laughs> from working with Microsoft Word. But never again. Uh, yeah, get a program that, that you know, helps you format. Uh, what we used to do after that was we did get Adobe uh, Illustrator or InDesign, sorry, that helped format them. But uh, we couldn't afford the subscription fee. They had it about, I think it was like $60 every month oh my God. at one point. And uh, we couldn't justify it. And it was making us nervous because we were trying to get edits done at the same time. So luckily... There is a program called Affinity, and it's got a um, designer kind of process with it that helps lay out books and whatnot. So that's our go-to. It's a one-time purchase, and it's been fantastic. I really enjoy it. Um, it's affordable for us. It does everything that we wanted from InDesign, and um, I'm very happy. And we don't use Microsoft Word anymore. Yeah, it's Affinity Publisher. Affinity has a couple different graphic programs. So Publisher is the one that you want specifically for books. 
So with that, I did want to ask, uh, we're kind of getting to the end of here. So I wanted to ask you guys some hot tips for printing. So some quick things to kind of throw out there for our listeners to consider when they're printing. And I'm going to, I'm going to go after you, Delphi. I'm, I'm coming. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so up. I just wanted to talk a little bit about like your paper quality for North American printers. The thinnest option you probably want is about 50 pound text for your interior paper. And the higher the number that gets, the thicker the paper. So 70 or 80 pounds is about the top range of what you want. If you're in a country that is not North American, they might use GSM instead of pounds. So this range is about 90 GSM to 150 GSM. And the paper is either going to be called text or book paper stock. Um, it's often available in matte, which is kind of the normal type, or glossy, which is shiny. So whichever is your preference there. Cover stock, if you're doing like a, a paperback book sort of thing, you're looking for something like 100 pounds or, or 270 GSM. Um, and again, the, the thicker paper will be in the cover stock category. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's an important thing to, to keep an eye on. Book spines, if you're not sure how big your book is going to be, you can usually find a book spine calculator. You can Google this. And if you put like the, the weight of your paper and stuff and how many pages you expect to have, it'll spit out some kind of quarter inch or, or an eighth inch or, or whatever for your spine art. So if you want that to, to be designed, that's, um, that's how you get that measurement. And then just bleed is the thing where if you want your art to run all the way off the page to the edge so that there's no white space or white borders around it, that's what you want. I don't personally do it for my books, but it can look very cool. It can look very splashy. And the way you get that is by leaving an extra either three millimeters or an eighth inch of extra art on the top, bottom, left, and right sides that you're okay with it maybe getting cut off. So don't put your text there. Don't put your faces or, or whatever, but just make the background expand a little more there if you're thinking about doing bleed, but you don't have to. And yeah, just if you have any questions again, 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 always talk to your printer they are super there to help you out and make sure that you understand their process correctly so that nobody has any big mistakes because they don't like wasting paper on something you don't want either. They're mm -hmm. always very accommodating in my experience. So talk to your printers. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. The beach ball has been hit and it's going over to you, Claire. Okay. First thing, don't do it in two months. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, don't do, do not like you can. It is possible. Don't <laughs> because you need to have a life and you need to have enough brain cells to be able to look and read your book about 50 times and uh -huh. look for every single mistake that you can find. More technical things that I was not aware of uh, starting out that it would help to be aware of. If you're going for a perfect bound book, or anything where you're going to have, you know, something printed on the spine, um, accommodate for a little bit extra margin that goes into the spine of the book. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I had a whole stack of comics and graphic novels that I was looking at as I was going through and formatting things. And I was just like, what are the things that I like or dislike? And a lot of them, they had basically the art was shoved deep into the spine so you would have to like break the spine to be able to look at some of the words that were being written in various bubbles like right up against the inner cover and I'm just like I don't want that um, so don't be afraid to shove things out a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, just so you're able to read it other than that I would just say learn the terminology so if you are working with a printer or if you're getting help be sure that you understand bleed, margins, kind of the standards that you would be looking for, just so you can communicate those sorts of things. They're not, they're not hard to understand, and Delphi did a really good job of explaining them. Mm -hmm. So if you are a brand new person to all of this, there are a couple of things that can be a little bit nebulous in terms of like, what on earth does this mean? Like, 
just just have a glossary nearby. And if you are working with a program like Affinity or InDesign, once you start inputting those bleed measurements, you can kind of immediately see what it means. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to play around with the program. See what it tells you, because these programs are designed for this. And I, yeah, I, I found it quite intuitive. I used Affinity for my book, and it took about a week for me to be 100% comfortable with the specific things that I needed it to do. So yeah, I would just say, learn, learn a bit of the, a bit of the dialogue that people use and you'll be fine. Love to hear it. And the beach ball has been passed to Thorb. Oh God, a beach ball. Um, (laughs) My advice is to make sure to obtain help with the process. Uh, When you have laid out your pages and you've put together a PDF with everything kind of in the right order, it's amazing to have a second pair of eyes looking over it and like just kind of just picking things out like, oh, there's a typo here. I never spot my own typos. It's, It's a curse. And like weird things in the art like pages where a panel is missing like there there's really no substitute for just having someone else kind of look things over sometimes and uh bounce ideas off of and vent to it's great to have (laughs) to have someone around so (laughs) that's kind of my uh my hot tip for this part of the process. Another thing that does help considerably, which I talked about earlier during the formatting parts of the process, just try to be consistent with how you are saving your files, where you're saving your files to, how you're naming your files, and how big your files are. Like Because if you plan to print, all of those pages are going to have to be the same size in the printed book. And it helps a lot if those pages are already the same size in your computer hardware. (laughs) So uh, I wish I had made sure of that to a greater degree than I did (laughs) when I was actually getting started. Oh, and that's when the crimes began. (laughs) My crimes, yes. (laughs) As far as me, my number one thing is that when you think about printing, think about formatting for print first. Have this conversation before you start your comic, because one of the things that I have seen, I have helped, I have learned, lived, laughed, loved, is when we want to print a webtoon, and it's in scroll format, and you have to translate it to traditional format, and you're going to get very, very different results, no matter how much formatting you do, because they are made for different mediums. So I highly encourage you that if your plan is to print your book, format it traditionally first. It can be done, but you want to save the pain and the crying that you will do for 186 years if you do scroll first and decide to print later. It is very painful. Like I said, I have helped done the formatting, but it's it's still a different vibe. It's still not the same. It doesn't translate 100%. Again, it can be done, but we don't like crying here. So (laughs) save yourself the pain from that. Um, And always consider what you want for your project in the long run. And printing is a huge commitment. Like, it's a massive project. So I encourage to get the sampler packs from printers. I encourage you to look at books that you want. And I encourage yourself to have a real conversation and be like, is it for me? Because at the end of the day... One of the things that I want everybody in the webcomic community to understand and know is that printing is not the final destination. We're still making webcomics. Webcomics are their own medium. And you don't have to go for print if you don't want it or you don't feel like it suits your story at all. Because there are very much many stories that are on the web for a reason. And I think with that, is it okay if a chicken salad Caesar wrap? Yeah. Yes. Go for it. Heck yes. And with that, that is a chicken salad Caesar wrap. I've been Crispy, and you can find my work at ghostjunksickness.com and lunarblight.com. I've been Claire Clam. You can find my work at phantomarine.com. I've been Delphina. You can find my comic Zombulus at zombulus.com. And I have been Varathane, and you can find my comics at chiralt.sevensmith.net and witchwoodcomic.com.
I want my paper, back paper, back paper. <laughs> <laughs> but you just, like, you just ended it by saying, well, but you don't have to type in, like, but the I want to print mine. I have an idea for part two, you guys. Thank you for listening to Screen Tones, a webcomic podcast. Want to know some other ways to support us? Check out our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash screentonescast, where your support will help us create more episodes, reach cool extra bonus goals, and keep us talking about anything and everything webcomics. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and our Discord server. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, rating, and supporting, and we'll see you next time.